everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 341. And tonight, we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 219, The Traveling Tarot Reader. I was delighted as soon as I heard the title. Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew that was going to be a winner. But despite what the title says, what this story is actually about is Dr. Lubell at the University of What It Is, because everyone in town is now obsessed with driving her out of town, making her pay for murdering Sarah Sultan, and they're starting to get a little paranoid, and it's doing things like reaching out to threaten other people in the town for not being angry enough about this. Yeah, yeah. So we decided what we would do is first we're going to recap that part of the story, and then we're going to get into the, I don't know, it's not the A story, the B story? I don't know. I mean, it's just, there's a tarot reader who comes to Cecil's studio. So it would make more sense for us to do the Lubell stuff because we're going to go off on some tangents when it comes to tarot cards because we just, we love tarot cards. We think, I don't know that we necessarily believe that they can actually tell the future, but the idea of them is so cool. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, so at the one of the first things we get to as part of the regular episode is the community calendar, but every single thing that is listed is about Dr. Lubell and the University of what it is. Like tomorrow, the Citizens Against Rock-Killing Academics... Karma is meeting to discuss <laughs> how to drive her out of the town. I thought that was a great acronym. That was oh, very yeah. cool. <laughs> That's fantastic. On Sunday, there's going to be auditions for the new at the Playhouse, I believe. And it's for a new play called The Doctor Must Go. And it totally <laughs> describes the situation with Dr. LaBelle. And on Tuesday, the people who huddle behind the Ralphs have invited other people who are angry about Dr. LaBelle to huddle with them. <laughs> I think uh, one of those days, uh, we've got uh, Prickly Pear Pete. It's Wood Chuck Day, um, and he, if he sees his shadow, I think we'll get six more weeks of sun. But if he doesn't see his shadow, then the universe continues to move the way it normally does. And I'm just like, okay, that doesn't have anything to do with Dr. Lobel. No, it doesn't. Uh, the next segment that Cecil tries to do is answering listener questions. But the questions all seem to be, why don't you ever cover the university of what it is? You need to keep informed about this. Why are you taking Dr. Lobel's side? Why isn't your husband speaking out about Dr. LaBelle? And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, don't oh, mess no, no, with no, Carlos. No. And Cecil's like, all right, we need to all take a deep breath. Paranoia is not going to help us. He's trying to be the voice of reason. But obviously, the town is so angry about Sarah Sultan being killed. And um, later on in this episode, I, I'm really getting on to the, the town's side on this one, for sure. Yeah. Uh, we also have a little bit of a discussion about a meetup between Dana Cardinal and then the um, Kareem and Joseph Fink. I can't remember. What's Kareem's last name again? I can't remember. I don't, it's been a while. Yeah, they all um, have the distinction of being former interns. But um, Joseph Fink found out that Kareem had visited Mitch Michigan, Mitch Melligan. So yeah, anyway, something. So he wants to find out how Kareem managed to do that, and Kareem agrees to help. But he can't find the place where he went back into the you know outside of Nightvale. So. Uh, they all go to Dr. LaBelle to talk to her to ask her for help. Now, fortunately, fortunately, it's only Kareem and Joseph who go. Dana did not. But 
Janet LaBelle tells them that doppelgangers are not real. And what you guys did was you saw somebody else that had a similarity to you and you decided that they were a double. But what the actual truth is, is that you have never been anywhere other than here and you have never been been anyone other than who you are right now. Oh, wait a minute. Did you say Dana murdered her double? And I thought... Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Here we go. She wants to hear more about that. Uh, so um, the next time that they talk about LaBelle is actually Cecil sitting there. He's like, um, okay, so Dr. LaBelle and Sheriff Sam are here, and they are writing me a note that says we need to talk. Uh, why don't you send your listeners to... The weather. And we go to the weather. Which I really, really enjoyed. It was very, very dreamlike. It had that the chorus of male voices in the background backing it up, which was just so atmospheric, I thought. And I love any pop song. It's kind of pop, but I love any song like this that brings the cello, because that was particularly beautiful. Yeah, it was poppy with a little bit of a folk thing, too. It even had a trumpet at one point. It sounded really good. It was called Long Way by Bonfire Realm, which that is a hell of a name for a band. That's Bonfire Realm is wonderful. Yep, yep, yep. I love that you couldn't really predict where the melody was going. No, the lyrics neither. The lyrics were also rather surreal, so I gotta put that on my playlist and listen to it again. So we're back from the weather and Sheriff Sam tries to make some awkward conversation. He keeps calling Cecil Cecil, which I'm sure irritated Cecil even more than it did me. Now, but, um, hold on a second. Have we sorry, I just wanted to interject. Have we confirmed that Sheriff Sam's pronouns are he, him? Oh, I apologize. No, we have no idea. Okay. Because I believe Sheriff Sam has been voiced, I think by the same person every time. And I, I believe there was some I think they they usually do say they. Should I start that again? I don't think so. I think we should just okay. keep this in. So yeah, it's yeah. good to address. It, it really is. Yes, anyway. So Sheriff Sam asked Cecil about the photo on Cecil's desk, which is a sepia-toned photo of a person dressed like Cecil. And Sheriff Sam asked Cecil if that was Cecil's dad. And Cecil's like, I don't know. I keep trying to get rid of this photo, but it keeps coming back. So that's a. I know that's related to the story... Was that six months ago? Something like that. The photo in the woods? Yeah, so we're going to hear more about that, I'm sure. I'm sure. But anyway, what they want to talk to Cecil about is that they want to speak with Dana because they found out that Dana murdered her double. And she's not in trouble, but they just want to talk to her because Mm -hmm. if it turns out that it actually was a doppelganger, (laughs) then everything's fine. But yeah, they think she murdered somebody and they're after her. And... Dr. LaBelle has just got this, I, Cecil described it as saccharine empathy. Oh, it's, it's all, awful. Oh, it's, oh, it's going to be fine, and I'm sure everything's okay. That's right. But she doesn't believe anything that Cecil has said about anything that conflicts with her version of reality. But Sheriff Sam's kind of excited because Sheriff Sam says, I just found out that committing murder is a felony. <laughs> That sounds pretty par for the course for Sheriff Sam, to be honest. I think so. Oh, yeah. But like, I obviously didn't like Dr. LaBelle before this episode, but just hearing her be so smug and like patting Cecil's hand, everything needs an explanation. I'm like, oh, we hate her. We do. We do. I mean, she's definitely a troublemaker because anywhere she goes, something bad's going to happen. I mean, I think Sarah Sultan was just the start. So now I'm kind of hoping that we don't see Hiram McDaniels because I can't imagine what she'd do to him. (gasps) Oh, no, no, no. I hope not. But 
But that was all for the Lubell part. Now we're going to talk about the tarot part. There is a tarot reader in town who does tarot readings for $3 each, but they never talk. It's just, you know, they come in and Cecil cuts the cards three times and picks three cards. And then every time we see a new card, it's really just Cecil's interpretation of what the cards mean. And it's also his interpretation of how he thinks the card might answer his initial three questions. And it was, what do I not know that I should? What do I know that I should not? And what is not knowable at all? Now, for the first question, what do I not know that I should? That is the 12 of birds. And I can't decide if I like this one or the second one better, because I think I like the story of the third one best. But the imagery on the first two, I just love. So the 12 of birds, you have a scarecrow, but it seems to be made of yarn. But when Cecil looks at it a little closer, it might actually be sausages. I think it's possibly entrails is what's going on here. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. pretty sure. And the insides are being pulled out by all these different birds. And all the birds are completely different. They're not all crows. And the face, there's something, I don't know, odd about the face. It might be a pumpkin. And it's just, it's. I could imagine, obviously, I was thinking the entire time, oh, fan artist, get on this, please. I, I will have more to say about that once we finish describing all these. But yeah, so Cecil looks at it and he says that the scarecrow is him and the birds are all of his responsibilities and the burlap sack getting ripped away from the scarecrow's face exposing it could be a pumpkin it could be an open wound it's letting people see himself more than he wants them to and that when the responsibilities manage to drag everything away there's just going to be nothing left but an empty husk and i thought wow that's deep yeah it really is i mean and the tarot reader doesn't confirm or deny anything that he says but you get the idea that it's probably correct yeah and cecil is just wondering i don't really think this guy is playing with a full deck I mean that literally. I don't think he has a full deck with him. <laughs> and Cecil also says he doesn't know that he really believes in this whole tarot stuff, but he finds it interesting mm-hmm. as well. So that's fun. Now, the second card is Shadow of the Leopard, which is a great name for our card. And it's a leopard without any spots. And it's looking off to one side as if it sees something that it might like, like food or a mate. And on the other side is its shadow. And as he's talking, he talks about how Both the leopard and the shadow are completely black, and the leopard absorbs all light, and the shadow is blocked from all light. And also, I believe that the shadow has a different shape, and it's like, is that the shadow part of the leopard, or is it a completely different entity? Does it act differently? It seems like a very, another card that I could totally visualize as he was saying it. Yeah, yeah. And the, the shadow is actually like looking terrified. It's kind of hunched down and it's facing forward instead of looking over its shoulder like the other. And I don't think it's clear if the shadow's being cast by the sun or the moon. Yes. So all of this is just, I mean, I'm envisioning something that's kind of in the style of the rider deck and yet yes. completely completely different. Oh, yeah. And um, what did he say his interpretation of that one was? He pretty much just was talking about the light and the shadows. Yeah, I think so. And I'm not sure what his interpretation was. Hang on. You know what? It's too important. I'm going to look this up. 
And I just looked up on nightvalepresents.com for the transcript to get Cecil's interpretation. He doesn't actually seem to have one. He just he's he's asking questions. Is the shadow the leopard's shadow or a different entity entirely? Or is it an alternate version of the leopard? They are held together at the ground, yet they seem to behave independently of one another. And that was the card that was in response to the what do I know that I should not. And interesting that a lot of the episode was talking about doppelgangers. And is the shadow the same as the leopard? Or is it completely different? And Cecil's doppelganger, I mean, I guess that's technically, um, oh my god, why have I forgotten his name? Holy cow. Um, Kevin! Kevin! Kevin, my goodness gracious. It was never really established if Kevin is his doppelganger. I don't know. know? I do think some people have said that Kevin looks like Cecil, but Cecil doesn't see it. I don't think Cecil knew what anyone was talking about with that. I know the fan artists tend to portray him as Cecil's doppelganger. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, interesting. That might be it. Okay, so the third card is the Five of Rakes. And when he first starts describing it, he's like, oh, it's so cheerful. It's this kid. And he's obviously raked up a bunch of leaves. I mean, he's either done or maybe he's shirking off work and he's jumped into leaves and he's in there grinning. But why Five Rakes? Where's everybody else? Is that a grin on the kid's face or is it a smirk? Or is it a grimace? (laughs) Just like, did he commit violence? Did he witness violence? I mean, what's hiding under the leaves who's hiding under the leaves like uh-huh. i love that i mean it's just it's a little short story in so few words and an image that we don't even get to see and yet there's no way to know what the heck happened what anyone nope. intended you just have to sit there and wonder yeah it's oh that's another one i just love how it just started off so so cheerful and it just got progressively creepier with every word out of his mouth. Yes. <laughs> so at the end of the episode, the tarot reader, as Sheriff Sam and Dr. LaBelle are there, the tarot reader has stood up to leave and is holding his hand out and Cecil gives him $3 and he leaves. And when Dr. LaBelle leaves, she kind of flips one of her cards at Cecil. You know, you call me as soon as you hear anything. And after she's gone, Cecil realizes that the tarot reader also left another card And it's called The Scientist. And it's a scientist person in a white coat covering over their face, I think with a clipboard, I guess. He said their mouth is so badly drawn, it's like somebody fell asleep. And Cecil ends it with, and I think, I think I wasted three bucks. And that was just the way he said it. It was like, that somehow that kind of hurt my heart a little bit. It did. And I'm wondering, because one of the things that Dr. Lubell said before she left, she watches the tarot card reader leave and she said, "Ugh, tarot cards, what a scam. And I'm like, did she explain the tarot card meaning out of existence by doing that? <gasps> oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's like her influence is just all pervasive. I mean, anything oh, that she wow. says, she's making her reality, you know, imposing it on Night Vale at this point. Whoa, I did not catch that. Oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> that would explain that tone that I heard in his voice, you know, just because it just seemed kind of lost, I guess. Yeah, lost. And it seemed like it was almost fake cheerful when he did the sign off afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Also, 
pointed to uh, Carlos as well, because we know that Carlos and Dr. Lubell have a connection, but they haven't really talked to each other since she's been in town. So. No, no. That is that is one of the things that the listener questions, they said that they need to investigate his connection with Dr. Lubell. Like, Whoa. well, somebody's going to, I'm sure. But, but yeah, as far as what I was saying, I know we just finished the uh, Dragonfall drawing challenge. Yes. But I feel like we need to do a, a fan art challenge here by doing cards. Like, one of us do one of the cards and one of us do another one. So. I think so. Yeah, I think that needs to happen, especially since I like doing the tiny tarot style. Mm -hmm. It's always Mm -hmm. kind of fun. And well, it's just (sighs) because I remember, you know, we tried to make a tarot card deck when we were in college, I think, before realizing that doing what is it, 72 cards? I think it's like 78. Yeah, 78 cards. That's like, if you're not really devoting all your time to doing the drawings, you can't really just slap those out. But, but tarot decks are just irresistible and it's because they're a framing device i mean you have a set pattern and you can just like take something as the seed of an idea and then make a drawing out of it and that's i think that's why there are just so many tarot cards out there probably why there's also so many people who make um uh chess sets their own chess sets because it's another framing device also on a side note i love it when a story has tarot cards but they bring in tarot cards that don't actually exist Mm -hmm, i will mm -hmm. never get over that idea and i just reread it's in the book three moments of an explosion by Mm -hmm. china mavel and it's called dowager of bees and it's people who play Uh, yeah it's people who play poker and sometimes strange cards get into the deck and there's all different rules that happens and it's just oh it's a lovely story it's very fun yeah and that reminded me of a book that i read uh, i think it was a few years ago famous men who never lived yes, yes uh it's about the the people refugees from another earth uh trying to make a life for themselves in this earth and one of the people is remembering the tarot deck that she had that is it's made by the artist who did the rider deck but in her reality in her alternate reality that artist and the person who actually designed the deck they've been in a relationship well they split up so she made her own deck so it's the same oh. artist but different artwork for each one of them I thought, oh, wow. now i want to see that i want to see the alternate version writer deck that would be great oh, yeah it's kind of a tragic story if i remember correctly you know writer wait writer was the guy who kind of came up i mean tarot decks i think used to be you would do tarot using regular cards, and then they had tarot decks that were, you know, the five of pentacles, the wands, but it was just literally like, you know, five pentacles on a card or whatever. He came up with this idea of having the figures and having the hidden meanings in, and then Wait was the name of the artist who drew it, but she never really got credit while she was She alive. didn't, because we always call it the writer deck. We hardly yeah, ever yeah. remember to say Rider Wait. Yeah, lately I've been trying to remember that, and apparently there's somebody else involved with it too, I can't remember, cause, but the, the name is starting to get a little overwieldy. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, for a while there during the pandemic, I had some friends and we would do these lunchtime meetups, and I would usually draw a card from our tarot deck just you know shuffle the deck and then you pick a card and i would read it aloud and that would just be kind of the thing to think about but one of the guys on the call i mean he didn't poo poo it but he was always just a little nonplussed at the idea that the cards could mean so many things Mm -hmm. and if you ever go to learntarot.com it's a great site they divide all the cards up and they give all these different meanings And that's what I would usually go to to be like, okay, well, this card, because I don't have all those meanings memorized. But for instance, when you've got the Eight of Wands, some of the possible meanings for this card are striking while the iron is hot, uh, experiencing a grand finale, 
uh, finding a missing puzzle piece, uh, having a meaningful conversation. I mean, it's like things that some of these cards, the meanings, they don't have anything to do with each other. And he's like, man, that just, you can make the card mean anything you want. I'm like, yes, that's how it works. (laughs) And that's how people do it. Yeah. And if people are actually scamming people, then you have all this wealth of information. And then you do a cold reading of the person that you're doing the reading of and figure out which one of these things seem like they would fit best, fit their attitude, fit their style, anything like that. And just make it sound convincing, which is, it seemed to be what Cecil was doing on his own with these cards. Exactly, exactly. And I have, I have no problem with people who go to psychics or mediums or tarot readers. I'm not sure how much of that I believe myself. I would just sort of like to do a little PSA for anybody who does go to a psychic or a medium. If they tell you that this horrible thing is going to happen to you, and they will totally take care of it, you just need to pay them $10,000. You guys, you got to know it's a scam. It's okay, so a so scam. Sorry. Please, guys. Please don't do that. Yeah, they have the, some of these psychics have ruined people by doing that. But they, they do things like, oh, my God, horrible things are going to happen to your children. I see it in the future. You can give me this money, and I will build you a spiritual pyramid out of gold. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not really exaggerating on that one. So this is our PSA. Please, please don't give them lots of money. Give them a little money to pay for their services. Don't give them $10,000. You know, don't it's, do that. It's all a scam. I don't care really what reality you're believing in, there is absolutely no. no way that A, they can predict horrible things are going to happen to you, and then B, stop horrible things from happening to you. Yeah. No, please don't do that. Oh, anyway. Anyway, so this is our tarot episode of uh, the Binary System Podcast. <laughs> we will probably return to this. I used to do tarot readings on the Instagram page, but I just sort of fell out of it. it was yeah, kind of it's, for a while. it's a nice little habit to get into, I think, So because yeah, yeah. it gives you stuff to think about. It does. It does. Okay, so that's all for Night Vale for this week. What I wanted to mention, two things. One, like literally five minutes before we started recording, I listened to the final, 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 final episode of My Dad Wrote a Porno. I did too! Oh my goodness. I can't believe after eight years, I can't believe it's done. I can't. And they, this final episode actually had Rocky freaking Flintstone, the author of the Belinda Blink series that they have been reading this entire time. And I got to tell you, this guy, he is exactly the kind of person who would retire, write horrible porn, and then be perfectly okay with his son and his son's friends ripping it to shreds in a podcast. I don't don't know how else to describe him, but it is just, you absolutely do believe that he's that person. Yeah, he sounds so quietly confident. There is no awkwardness at all. No. He is not, not even the slightest bit, no, no shame, no weird trepidation and everything. No, he wrote porn. Basically, he and his wife had written a bunch of books, like self-published books. And obviously they sold like, they've written like 60 books, he said. Something like that. Yeah. Like one a year, maybe it's all online books. And his wife said something when they were traveling, like, none of these books sell. And he's like, well, the only thing that sells is sex. And she said, well, I can't write that. And he said, well, I can. That's it. That's why he started writing porn. Yeah. And he is not even a little bit annoyed with um, James, Jamie, and Alice, although he did say that they miss so much in the books. But then he said the fans always caught what he was trying to put down there, that they they caught the things that they missed. like... God bless him. I mean, he is just quietly confident is really the right word. He has no doubts about that this was a good idea, that he's grateful that he did this, that he's grateful that they did the podcast about it because it sold more books. (laughs) He said, like, you know, they would sell one book 
uh, a year, and now with the podcast, he says, we can sell eight books a week. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> he said, I could take my wife out to dinner once a year. Ah, you know? well, they were asking him questions. I don't even remember what Alice asked him. She asked him something, and he went off on this tangent, and she said, your voice, it's like you're still talking about the same thing, but you're totally not. And he just <laughs> just keeps going on. And he said, did that answer your question? No, but I'm glad we went on this journey. Yep, there you go. Yeah. It's so funny, because what they were talking about was um, concrete. He said, which you Americans call cement. And I'm like, well, we use concrete, too, but whatever, that's fine. Um, but that was a thing in the second part of the final chapter that they read, there was a bit that made me laugh. They were saying, oh, God, the line had been something like the guy's penis was as hard as a pumice rock. And they're all like, hmm, typically not a very hard not stone. Not at all, no. <laughs> no. And so they're starting to mention like, he could have said like granite. And then Jamie says, or cement. And they're like, well, that's not a stone. <laughs> Start just... <laughs> ribbing at him and then you hear like Jamie, James in the background no excuse me Jamie in the background going breeze block like, I don't know what it was it's so funny I love that ah it's sad that it's over but you know I have actually started listening to the first season again. I have like, to I'm, I'm almost done with the first season re-listening it's to that crazy crazy oh such a good and now I'm really curious as to where they're going from there they keep teasing that something else like they're not going to be reading the books aloud anymore obviously his dad is going to continue writing the books I think he's got like a dozen more books already written in the Belinda Blinked universe gracious they've got something else planned yeah they said this is the end of the podcast but it's not the end of my dad wrote a porno so i don't know could they possibly be finally doing the movie i mean they've they've done their like pie in the sky casting decisions about who gets to play each of the characters i think they may have said megan fox is belinda which mm-hmm. they all thought would be i could see it yeah, yeah. that that would work yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, she's supposed to be gorgeous with long dark hair and great boobs i mean i think that's probably pretty much it yeah and how old is megan fox because i think belinda's at least 30 now but i think so hang a minute 36 I think she could do that. Yeah, that I would be awesome. Could. And now whether yeah. she would want to be in a movie based on horrible porn and would they be doing the movie on the horrible porn or would it be on the story of my dad wrote a porno with the horrible porn sort of like as the the, the framing sequence? I don't know. Oh, that would be complicated. I don't know. They've done so many live shows. I mean, they're used to, you know, having a performance sort of aspect to it. So I don't know. Uh, Who knows? Yeah, I'm glad that it's not going to be the very end of all the content we get because man it's been a hell of a ride it has been i'm definitely going to be looking up what these guys are doing after this because they've all got other projects going on but i've just uh, this this week's episode of um no such thing as a fish it had jamie was the guest so (gasps) i had no idea yes indeed yay oh that's fun (laughs) and they they were talking about how sad they were that it was going away and he's like well, now you don't have the competition. They're like, oh, yes, we outlasted them. <laughs> it's true. I mean, for popular podcasts, I mean, my dad wrote a porno, which is so funny because none of my coworkers had ever heard of it. And I'm like, you guys, it's like one of the most popular podcasts in the world. But I forget, like, my good friend Wade, and I can say this because he didn't listen to the podcast. I was recommending something. It's like, is it a podcast? And I said, yeah. And he said, oh, sweetie, I just don't listen to podcasts. I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the questions that they asked uh, Rocky Flintstone when uh, they said, when your son 
told you that he was thinking about doing a podcast where he read your books aloud, what is the first thing you said? What is a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Like dad always says something like, oh, so where where is this 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 thing that you're recording? Where is it broadcasting? What channel is it on? <laughs> it's, like, it's, mm, it's on the radio, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, not the same thing. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I usually even say to dad, if I mention what I'm doing, it's like, oh, we're going to record an episode of our radio show. And he understands that. So that's fine. Well, I would like to be able to say that I am trying to catch up on Umbrella Academy because I saw that the news dropped that they are announcing a fourth season. Yes. That is very cool. Um, I would also like to say that I've watched more Sandman, perhaps, but I haven't because I'm rewatching the Hawkeye TV series. It is because it's Christmas, yes. And I had I had forgotten how impressed I was that Kate Bishop's most of her origin story is told in the animation for the opening credits of the series. That Im- just impresses me right down to the ground. But um, I've watched like just like a couple episodes so far, and they have like starting on the second episode, they have the animated um, outro credits with all the different images of you know arrows and everything. Uh, but the feel of the credits is always different because it always changes to match the um, the music that's playing over it. Like in the second episode, it's really ominous music. And I think in some of them, it gets much cheerier and everything. So yeah, I think that the tone of this series was always so fun. I mean, the second episode had um, Hawkeye was having to try to get the Ronin's uh, outfit back from um, some LARPers. And he couldn't go into the LARPing area unless... He put on a costume and at least pretended to play the game. And they did it all in slow-mo. And he's just walking through, just effortlessly knocking people aside with his fake sword. But you can tell he's just like, oh, so done. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so, I, I never get enough of Hawkeye just being, like you said, effortlessly good at whatever type of, like, you know, if it's a sword, if it's a bow and arrow, whatever. I mean, he's just, he's always the absolute best. And I love seeing that. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't done anything except I did watch several episodes of the latest season of The Crown, because Mm. I think one of your friends had said it was good. And I really do think it's very good. And I think it's pretty hilarious that it's not Olivia Coleman anymore. So they have a new woman. It's the same woman who played Dolores (gasps) Umbridge. That's the one totally different character. I was worried for a second. I'm like, am I going to be able to see her and not see Dolores Umbridge? No, you do really well. And I think within one episode, you're completely comfortable with it being a different actor playing the queen. I, I don't know how they've done that every time, but every I, time one episode. Yeah, it's I, great. I'm always thinking that I'm not going to be able to accept the new actors because I liked the ones that came before. Yeah. Be darned. They always manage to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Jonathan Price playing her husband. And I think he does a masterful job as well. And just, I think he's, you know, so interesting because from what I hear, Jonathan Price is like a lovely, lovely individual. And I'm not entirely sure her husband always was. No, I think there's an awful lot of people that don't like him or didn't like him. God rest his soul. But now the uh, actress who's playing Diana, isn't she the person who was the female lead on um, The Night Manager with Tom Hiddleston? Oh, I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen that. Maybe? I don't remember. I don't know. I'd I'd have to look it up. Yes. But why would we prepare? Yes. No. I do think she's doing a very good job i think it's she is really really pulling for that accent that diana had and every once in a while i feel like it's 
it's making her mouth do weird shapes, but boy, she certainly looks the part. And she is a fantastic actress. I think she's doing everything really well. It's just occasionally there's a little effort into that accent. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, isn't that so funny about the whole Diana's eating disorder, which I'm going to say right now so far, I, we have seen none of that this season. That was the thing I hated the most about the previous I season. I knew you like, every time they did that. I was like, and Elizabeth is checking out right <laughs> as we speak. I got really good at hitting that mute button. <laughs> just every time I saw something, I'm like, oh, here we go. Damn it. Um, but we haven't seen any of that in this season thank god but i i just i think it's so weird that growing up i knew none of that about the eating disorder not even after she died i had heard about nothing none of that but we didn't even know that their marriage hadn't been real great to begin with it's possibly due to the fact that we're not british i think the british tabloids probably kept on that a lot harder but the americans are just like uh, it's the royalty why wouldn't their lives be absolutely perfect yeah. they're catered to in every way yeah yep 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 but I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Okay, so here's what's going on with LA Comic Con. I will have a few photos up from them this week. I'll put mm-hmm. those up. Lauren was our main photographer for LA Comic Con. She did catch a cold at the convention. And oh, so she dear. has been sick. Yeah, she oh, has been my. sick. So that's prevented it. But while she was there, what also happened was it was, of course, in LA and she had driven up there and her catalytic converter was stolen out of her car. Crap. Yeah. So she's kind of been handling some stuff. So we will have photos from her eventually. But obviously, as soon as I heard that, I was like, take your time. Seriously. Oh my God, please. Priorities. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we will have some pictures up because we have photos from Natasha's husband, Rob, that were very fun. So I will get those up and we will get the other ones up. Eventually, (laughs) real life takes priority. All that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So next week, we'll have Laura Olympus. Laura Olympus, possibly no more forward movement, because I've already seen the little preview images. It seems to be very heavy Aphrodite-based. So I think we're going on that particular tangent for a little while. So that means that next week's episode is the last episode before Christmas. Yes! Oh, guess. Oh, my God. I'm not done shopping. I know. Me neither. <laughs> it's oh too God. fast. Yeah, seriously. I, I swear to God, every year I'm like, oh, I'm going to get way ahead of all this stuff. And I don't. And I don't. And now that I'm doing the um, the Dragonfall drawing challenge, I fall even further behind because I'm not going to be know. thinking about anything until I don't have to draw something every night. Seriously. Oh, God. But Why do we do this to ourselves? I don't know when we're doing it. <laughs> but one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later.
But I do have photos from Natasha's husband, Rob, that looked pretty fun. So I will have those up. And then we will have more photos. Hold on. Hold on a second. Time. Hold on a second. I am hearing the ringing from your phone, and I'm pretty sure that's going to get picked up on the, uh, the mic. Oh, you're right. Oh, it's Keith. When did that start? Um, um, um. I think after we had said no, no, no priorities, and then you said yes. uh, we have uh, from starting from uh, we have pictures from uh, from her husband. Oh, okay, okay, okay. 